Welcome inside the Hill City Highlights podcast, a podcast about the people of Lynchburg for the people of Lynchburg. Now, here's your host, Alan York. Welcome back inside another edition of our Hill City Highlights podcast. We've had so much fun introducing our fans to individuals and leaders in the Lynchburg area and surrounding community. And today we're going to talk to Dr. Mason Bates with Bates Family Orthodontics. You can find them at 1925 Thompson Drive in Lynchburg. You can call them 434-846-4014 and the website batesfamilyortho.com. All right, Mason, uh, thanks for coming on with us here. Uh, I not only have a daughter who is a patient of yours, uh, but uh, you and I have had some fun getting to, to, to know each other with our visits to your office. And uh, you have a really neat story that I know our fans are going to enjoy uh, hearing about. Uh, first off, Mason, just tell us where you're from originally and what life was like uh, for you growing up uh, down in Texas. Yeah, thanks, Alan. I'm glad to be here. It's good to talk with you in this format. Um, honored to, to be invited to do so and honored to provide treatment for your daughter and care for right. your family through trust. Um, yeah, so I'm from Houston, uh, down in Texas, and I grew up in a suburb, and it's not too dissimilar from what Lynchburg size is. So I kind of, weirdly enough, feel at times that you know, where I moved to ended up being a little bit similar to, to where I was raised. Um, you know, I'm used to Houston traffic as well, so everywhere I would go, even if it was only two or three miles, would take me about 45 minutes. So. <laughs> Being in Lynchburg and hearing people say, man, there was so much traffic. You, know, you have me, no idea. <laughs> I love this. Uh, this is great. I'll sit in that traffic all day compared to it. But yeah, yeah, man, it, it was, uh, yeah, I went to public school growing up and didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I was fairly decent at math and science. My, my parents said, why don't you go be an engineer? And I was um, lucky enough or fortunate enough to get into Texas A&M University and tried that route and it ate my lunch. So I decided, well, let's try the next thing in line uh, that my engineering classes worked for business and for healthcare. And I have some family, uh, extended family in healthcare and thought, you know, I would like to own my own business, but also provide care and serve others. And then I also have, you know, an affinity for artistic type things. So that led my mind as a, a young budding teenager embraces to thinking maybe I could do what my orthodontist was doing. And that again, you know, hit the back of the mind and was forgotten about until engineering didn't work out. And then I thought, hmm, maybe I ought to consider orthodontics. And, you know, it has some engineering aspects of it. It's got art. You know, I obviously can own my own business and I get to serve and care for those in my community. And it's a lot of fun. So, um, you know, college was great. Texas A&M has had a lackluster football team for many, many years, and this year seems to be carrying on that tradition. Um, then I went and got a degree from University of Texas, so it's kind of like having a UVA Virginia Tech degree. And then if you marry a Longhorn as well, well, then you become a Longhorn family and you have nothing to say about it. So <laughs> that's all right. I'll jump on their bandwagon after they oh, beat them this week. Okay, lots to dive in with that, Mason. Um, how does that dynamic work? I am married into a uh, Clemson family. Okay. I grew up a Wake Forest fan, uh, being from Mayberry, North Carolina. So uh, Wake, of course, 
who's their rival? You know, who do they hate? North Carolina. Um, but rivalries more Carolina Duke in North in uh, North Carolina. So you being an Aggie, but you also you mentioned you have a, a Texas a Longhorn degree as well. Um, yeah. Does that trump up because you married a Longhorn as well, or do you still have that gigum pride uh, when you follow uh, Aggie sports? If you ask my wife, she'd say we're a Longhorn family, and she will dress <laughs> up accordingly. Uh, if you asked me, I would say I, I root for the Aggies, but right, you know, I I grew up with a my dad bless his heart is very passionate about sports and and he's a Bama fan too. So last weekend actually was an interesting dynamic in our family. They just moved here to town and and that was kind of my wife took our three kids or two kids over and then her being the third in that all wearing longhorn gear. And my daughter, who's two, she taught her how to say hook them horns. (laughs) It's just like, what? Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a, a good, Fairweather fan at best. I uh, root for the Aggies over any other team, but you know I'm, I like a good game. And if UT's playing someone other than Texas A&M, generally I'll root for yeah. them. How intense I'm- Mason is the Texas Texas A&M rivalry? Because for the last decade or so, they've been in separate conferences, but next year they'll be back in the same conference together. Uh, right. You know, speaking of Clemson, their big rival is South Carolina, and that is not a pretty rivalry that that is you know Gamecocks hate the Tigers and vice versa how intense is the Longhorn Aggie uh, relationship um it wouldn't quite call it a rivalry as it will be in the next few years I guess yeah I'd say amongst like the old Ags as they would call them and the older generation of Aggies and Longhorns you know especially back when they were both in the Big Ten um Big 12 Big 12 yeah, yeah. sorry former conference and yep. it was quite intense and i think we're all excited about 2025 the prospect i think they're playing in college station for the first time in a while and uh, <laughs> that, that should get some uh, hearts racing and mm-hmm. some fun tailgating and whatnot but yeah i think it definitely fizzled out a little bit with us joining the sec maybe instituted some jealousy in the longhorns and you know some might describe that that is the reason that they are joining the sec i think Many of us would would say it's probably not the only reason. However, uh, yeah, I mean it's a it's a fairly intense rivalry. I would say. Joined by Dr. Mason Bates with Bates Family Orthodontics in Lynchburg, our guest this week on our Hill City Highlights podcast. All right, you mentioned uh, graduating from A and M and College Station, and you, you a degree from Texas. What was the degree in uh, that you got from Texas? So from Texas, that's where my doctorate is from. So got it. Okay. At the University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston. Okay, and so once you graduated at A and M, you mentioned vaguely the thought of being an engineer and um and how that ties into what you're doing here today. When did the thought of being an orthodontic really start to crystallize for you, Mason? You know, again, I I grew up with family, extended family, and healthcare. Um, and they lived out west. They do live out west in Wyoming. And I was always allured by, you know, I want to go out west and live in the mountains and hunt and fish and owning my own business. And, you know, seemed like a pathway to be able to live anywhere I want um, in the country. And then healthcare was interesting to me because I, I love science and I love the body. And, you know, I'm a pretty 
intellectual thinker. Uh, if you've seen me in the practice, I'm sure there's many patients that would say, man, what he says is way over our heads. <laughs> That's, you know, a point of growth for a young provider, of course, but, um, you know, I, I just love healthcare and, you know, the, the art behind that. And then I also love serving others and owning my own business allows me to do all of that in the way in which, you know, I see best for my patients, my, my, the way that I want to provide or deliver that care, the values in which my business portrays to the public around. And, um, you know, as a kid, my orthodontist did a really good job of, of all those things, very involved in our community, just the nicest guy. We went to church together. I knew his daughter um, and she was kind of in our friend group. And because of that, I, I you know, I, when I was in braces, I thought, man, I, I could maybe do this. Hmm. And that again, like I, I, I didn't really think about that much until college. And I was thinking, what could I do? Well, not really into the engineering thing and then business all of my courses that I took worked for, for business as well. So I kind of started engineering and thought, well, if I take science courses next, well, those will work still for business <laughs> and so forth. And so I kind of just worked my way down. And then I went back and spent some time shadowing in both the dental office and an orthodontic practice and really just was reignited with passion for it and thought, this is, this is what I want to do. And I think that was back half or maybe the first half of my sophomore year of undergrad and Wow. And I just started taking all the courses and preparing for dental school was fortunate enough to be accepted and also fortunate enough to, to have the Lord give me a, a year off in between. And again, that was awesome. And then dental school, of course, and then after dental school is how I got to Virginia and I attended VCU or formerly MCV's orthodontic residency, which was a blessing as it's a very renowned program in the country. So you graduated from A&M and you went to, got your doctorate at Texas. What was the time frame between leaving College Station? And at that time, was it online classes? Was it in Austin? And then going to dental school, was that part of Texas or was that somewhere else? And then you mentioned also getting to VCU. Yeah, so I graduated Texas A&M in 2014, yep. and I spent some time living in Costa Rica, and then after I lived in Costa Rica for six, seven months, I ended up moving to Colorado, in which case I spent some time working at a ski resort, and I just had time in my life for a year off. I started at the beach surfing, and then in Costa Rica, and then spent the back half of the year skiing and snowboarding every day, and, and that was fun and um, a nice preparation, I, I suppose, just mentally break wise for dental school, which was at UT. Okay. Uh, in Houston. So for me, I got to go back to Houston, but live in the city of Houston more so. And, um, and that was just a really sweet time of my life. And, you know, the Lord had changed a lot in my life in my year off and, and bringing me back to Houston surrounded me with some amazing community mentors, uh, a great church to be involved in. And I mean, it, it was an amazing time in my life. I, I just am so fortunate to have the community that I had and eventually met my wife. And that was, I think, my third year of dental school. And uh, we got married in my fourth year of dental school. And that was the year that I was applying or the end of third year is when you apply for residency programs. And all I knew was, oh, well, I want to go to a residency program that's somewhere different. 
And I want it to be somewhere where I can get out to the outdoors pretty quickly. Cause I, I mean, if you know me, you know that my heart fills up when I get to be outside. I mean, I don't care really what I'm doing. I have things I like to do outside, but I mean, even if I can just go sit on the front porch for a little bit, like that, that's my happy place. And so I was thinking, well, North Carolina might be good or, and I honestly didn't know a thing about Virginia. If you'd asked me about Virginia, oh, six, seven years ago, I would have said, well, isn't that like right next to New York or, you know, I, I, I was just like the Northeast is so foreign to me. Now, obviously living in Virginia, I know that this is considered the South and um, we take pride in that. And um, yeah, so we, we got an interview at VCU or I got an interview at VCU, went up to Richmond and it was in the fall, the color, the, you know, and there's four seasons in Virginia, which in Houston, you know, we had hot and hotter and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, we were alert by it. We, I, I remember we went out to the Blue Ridge Parkway and then a corn maze and all these things. And we're just like, wow, like we've never done any of this thing uh, stuff. And yeah. Um, yeah, so and they had four spots and I put them pretty high on my list. And apparently it was someone they wanted to have a part of their program, thankfully. And the rest is history. Joined by Dr. Mason Bates with uh, Bates Family Orthodontics. All right, so you wrap up in uh at, at VCU and now take us through uh getting a practice Mason and and how it all happened here in Lynchburg for you or or is that where it started yeah so I I wanted to be out in Montana or Wyoming initially I mean that yeah. was always my plan having family in Wyoming and I made sure that my wife was on board for that you know before we got married and so it came time and I knew I wanted to buy a practice and um, or own a practice shortly out of, of residency. And so I had all these places pegged out west. And then my wife graciously came to me and said, yeah, I, I don't want to be out west. It's too cold, too far from family. So I, we looked at a map and said, OK, well, where can we be with somewhere with outdoor access, smaller town? She really wanted to be close to a body of water. So I, you know, I pulled up a map of Virginia and thought, well, we like it here. Well, there's mountains there. There's a big lake called Smith Mountain Lake there. That's water, right? And, you know, we just sent an email to Dr. Mark Blanchett and, you know, said, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so. I'm looking to join a practice. And he responded, I think I was duck hunting that morning. I got an email, you know, after finishing up and was it said something to the degree of, you know, yeah, I actually would love to sell my practice and I would love to meet you. And, you know, we hit it off and we had a lot of similarities as far as you know, how we like to practice and the things that we were interested in and, you know, came to visit and <laughs> kept visiting and the rest, you know, kind of worked out to where we're at now as far as him selling his practice to me earlier, mid-2021 and he retired towards the end of 2021 and it's been me since then and it's been great. Mason, did you know Dr. Blanchett was that close to retiring or um or or not and is that was just a stab in the dark to see hey let me email this doctor to see about a partnership and i mean that's just you mentioned god a number of times in our podcast which is awesome uh that seems like a god thing that he was close to the end of his career and you were just beginning yours so uh that's just a really cool part of your story yeah total total shot in the dark. I mean, just, <laughs> I think he was the only practice I actually sent an email to here in town. And yeah, it's probably if we were to 
had a, a reason for it because I looked at his picture online and thought, well, he's probably in the back end of his career, and uh, and he knows that obviously. <laughs> You know, and then we, I still was entertaining op- opportunities elsewhere. So I looked at, you know, some small towns in the hill country of Texas. I looked at, you know, Tennessee and Carolinas. And funny enough, I, I visited an orthodontist in Fredericksburg, Texas, which is a small, small town in the hill country of Texas. And, you know, went to visit him to talk to him about buying his practice. And he said, without me prompting, you know, if I could be anywhere in this country, if I could do it all again, I'd go to Lynchburg, Virginia. Mm. And... I just think that's the greatest place on earth. So he's sitting there telling me about Lynchburg and I had already talked to Mark at this point. So it was on our radar is probably what we were going to do. And at that point I was, I was kind of like, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I guess this is a sign that, you know, we, we might need to strongly consider Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, so does, a couple does of- any of your family Mason, are, are you the first one that is working and I would consider it medicine um, oh. or, or oral care? Uh, with orthodontics are you the first one in your family uh, to do this or do you have some family that has worked in it before no it's yeah i'm, I'm the only one in my family that's doing yeah. any kind of, kind of dentistry or, or doctorate type work well let's kind of dive into the current state of of oral care and orthodontics which is your wheelhouse and when i had braces it was one style you know get the brackets get the wire and, um, I didn't have to wear, I did have to wear a retainer, um, and rubber bands, uh, but a headgear, I did not have to. And it was just different, some things you give and take with, uh, your care to move your teeth and straighten them out. A lot of options here today for our, uh, fans that have children that are within the age of doing this and even adults, you know, get uh, care with orthodontics as well. Um, so the landscape of of your business, uh, where is it today? And uh, just give the options to the to the people tuning in of what they might be able to do. Yeah, so ortho and dentistry in general, but orthodontics also has really significantly improved and become more efficient over the past couple of decades. And, and as technology has improved, 3D scanning, AI, all of these things have accelerated that progression of our profession so yes we still very much do traditional metal brackets um, traditional clear brackets which are really just a ceramic um, that has a similar prescription as the metal brackets now those come in a box and we you know there there are many different ways you can customize that prescription so my i have my preference for each and every tooth in the mouth and then i can put that bracket on upside down if i need to i can you know, finagle that as I need for the case. And that's, that's traditional braces, you know, and, and still really, really great, great work can be achieved with that. And, and that even in a, of itself has improved um, as wire materials have improved. I mean, we're not banding teeth very often anymore where, you know, you used to have to go spacers and then put a band around every tooth in the mouth. And now it's, I'm just gluing a bracket to pretty much every teeth, tooth in the mouth. And then even something like an expander, well, if you come to my office, I'm going to scan you or my staff will scan you. And then if we need an expander, well, we'll have a lab make a 3D printed expander. Uh, you don't ever have to come back again for spacers or anything like that or ooey gooey impressions. We're just going to have a 3D printed metal expander that's going to sit right on the teeth and, you know, be glued in super easy and comfortably. And, you know, those are things that have not been around for that long. Now, 
in that same vein with this 3D intraoral scanning, there's also three-dimensional x-rays now that we're using. So I can take an x-ray in my office that will give me 3D data on all the teeth, the skeletal structure, everything in the skull. Um, and it's less radiation than a traditional panoramic encephalometric x-ray that we've taken for years in orthodontics. So we're able to do more with less in a more comfortable manner many of times uh, these days. Now, aligners, clear aligners like Maley's wearing, Invisalign, Spark, there's a fair number of brands of them. Invisalign and Spark are the two kind of biggest share of the market, um, is a plastic material. And you know what? A tooth at the end of the day has no idea what's pushing up on it. That tooth feels a force. As long as that force is constant and applied in the right manner in a controlled way, that tooth's going to move. And that's why over the internet brace or over the internet aligners, they will move teeth. Now, they don't do it well, but they will move the teeth because they're shoving something on their tooth that's going to sit there and put a force on it. Mm -hmm. But aligners have taken off because technology's improved, the materials have improved. Us as orthodontists have learned how to use them in a manner that's more proficient um, and more efficient. So, you know, if you come into my practice, you've got traditional braces, you know, metal and clear, you've got clear aligners, which I'm using for more than half of treatment these days. And you've also got now custom braces and custom braces there's a variety of flavors of those, and they have their pros and cons uh, as well. But now we can even 3D print the brackets that go on the teeth, which means that bracket is not a stock bracket coming out of a box. It's a bracket that's made to fit your tooth, no matter how it's shaped, with the end of where I want that tooth in mind. So a customized prescription for every single tooth in the mouth. And there is significant advantages as far as treatment efficiency with that. Now that doesn't work for every case and i do use traditional braces for many cases but you know there is tons of opportunities to do treatment in a way that's going to work best for that patient not just because this is what we do for everybody and that's you know mm -hmm. all i know i oftentimes will even say hey you know what i would want to treat your upper arch and braces to start out and your lower arch and invisalign and then we'll go into invisalign in the top or you name it, like we will combine and mix and match appliances as needed to achieve the best result in the most comfortable and efficient manner possible. And that's just something that was not possible, mm. you know, a decade or two ago. It's it's amazing, quite honestly. It's fun, too. Joined by Dr. Mason Bates with the Bates Family Orthodontics. You can find more info at BatesFamilyOrtho.com. You answered one question I had, Mason, um, of, of your practice the percentage of Invisalign uh, or liners, as you call it, versus traditional braces. And you said uh, more than 50% are using the liners. Um, when it comes to everybody wants the fastest, I, I want to do this, but I, I, I want it to be done as quickly as possible. Patience is a virtue. Is one versus the other traditionally quicker um, regular braces versus liners, um, or is it just depends on the patient and what their particular situation is? Yeah, that's a great question, Alan. I think that it's a little bit case dependent, and then I think it's also provider dependent. So, you know, some providers are they feel that they can achieve a certain result no matter the case type with, you know, X tool, right? So for me, when I look at a case, I'm going to look at it and say, okay, 
you know, these are my goals. And to achieve those goals, I can do that with either option here, maybe on this case. And if I do this option, then it may be a little quicker for me. So I'm curating our client's choice to my specific treatment goals. And now many times, yes, I can do that faster with aligners. Now, the reason that is, is because aligners, so Invisalign has been around for a little over 20 years now. But from day one, Invisalign has been a customized product, right? So we've still, as orthodontists, use stock brackets that we have some level of customization too. But if you remember from your treatment or many of your viewers might realize at the end of their orthodontic treatment, what is the orthodontist doing? We're bending wires and all these little details. And that takes, you know, maybe one to three visits, depending on the case. What we're doing in those stages is we're customizing that wire and that appliance system to that patient. So if we can do all that through the appliance itself, well, then we save that time. So yes, in, in those kind of cases that are more of a traditional routine case where we're you know, not doing any kind of surgery type stuff or there's no impacted canines. Um, for me, I'm not a huge fan of doing extraction cases with Invisalign or with clear aligners. Now I, I will, um, if, especially if it's a, a lower incisor type case, which is a very specific case that we don't do very often. I, I like that in the liners better, but there are certain things in my hands that I feel I can be more efficient with, but largely, you know, in most cases, I feel that I can keep treatment time a little bit more manageable because of using a clear aligner that's more customized product now or customized appliance. And mm -hmm. It, that depends on, you know, let's, what is the Achilles heel of clear liners? Well, you got to wear it for it to work, right? So, um, you know, if you ask me what, yeah, a lot of parents will come in and they'll say, well, I just don't know that my my 13 year old is going to wear those. And, you know, I, my response is usually actually what, you know, yeah, that's fine. Uh, if you feel that braces is, you know, better for them from a compliance standpoint, let's do it. Um, However, the demographic that struggles with aligner compliance is definitely not my adolescents. Um, it is my more busy adult patients many of the times. Now, I have amazing patients and they are all wonderful. They have amazing compliance. Um, but, you know, that that is the caveat of aligners. Are you going to wear them? Because that tooth has to feel that force no matter how it's getting there. Mason, we got about uh, less than nine minutes on our recording here. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us here. Uh, Dr. Mason Bates with Bates Family Orthodontics, our guest on our Hill City Highlights podcast. What's the average age of younger children um, that typically come into your office? And when do you recommend uh, just getting a consultation visit? Uh, for families and then the adults uh, typically that might want to come in and correct maybe some changes in their teeth over the last couple of decades. What, what's the age kind of average with those, if you will? Okay, a lot, a lot there. So we'll go a couple of different ways on that. Now, as an orthodontist, you know, yeah, we make we we make teeth straight. We design smiles. And, and that in and of itself is a discussion because orthodontists have been making teeth straight for decades, right? right? Close to 100 plus years. But the focus a lot of times on especially what I'm doing and then what orthodontics has evolved into is smile design. So if I just make your teeth straight, but they don't look good in your smile, well, then I don't know that I've fully given you a good service because you're coming to me for your smile to look better, right? 
So smile design is a big focus these days. Now, that said, I'm also an expert in growth and development of the jaws and development of the dentition. So the teeth, how they're erupting, are they erupting within normal limits or there are deviations in that? How can we address that maybe non-invasively? So all of that is best played out while things are developing. So the American Association of Orthodontics would recommend that uh, your first examination with an orthodontist is sometime between the ages of seven and eight. Now, a lot of times I'll see a seven-year-old and it's a little early. So I, I kind of tell people, you know, eight is a good time to be thinking about getting in to see your orthodontist just to make sure, you know, from an x-ray standpoint or a clinical presentation standpoint that everything's developing within, you know, what we want to see. And most of the time, you know what? I get to say, hey, it's so great to meet you. I'm so glad you're in my office. You don't need my help right now. I'll see you in 12 to 18 months. And that's super fun for me. I don't mind that at all. And I actually like that. Uh, I'm a fairly conservative provider and, you know, I don't want every single person that walks into my office to need an appliance, uh, you know, but so that's the younger demographic. So that's when we would say, hey, it is a good idea to get them in. And that is an effort to when I see them at maybe traditionally ready for orthodontic treatment at 12 or 13. Well, maybe they have an impacted canine or they've got a bunch of crowding that we could have prevented from being as complex as it is and maybe requiring now a surgery or extraction of permanent teeth if I had been able to see them earlier and maybe even just recommend like let's get that baby tooth out of the way so that permanent tooth can move into its proper position. A lot lot of times it's prevention of further uh, complexity that would require more invasive care with those early cases. Now that's probably only treating phase one is what that is called which is just limited orthodontic treatment to reduce complexity of future treatment and handle things that are more physiologically receptive by the body. So something like expansion. So expansion of the upper jaw is a common thing that we would recommend as orthodontists. Well, if we want that to be stable, then it's skeletal expansion and widening of the actual jaws itself, which is possible in those younger children, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. Once we get into adolescence, that becomes less possible to get that skeletally. Now, we can still widen the teeth, but the teeth we know want to move, and that's why retainers are a thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why we might recommend that treatment at that specific younger age. Now, as far as adult patients, I mean, I treat, I've got patients all the way up until 80s. <laughs> and you know what? It, and it's it's the same thing. We're, we're moving teeth. We're making you know people smile, look the way they want, and, and it, it's just as fun treating maybe someone in that demographic as it is an adolescent. And you'd be amazed too with these this newer treatment techniques, especially clear aligners. I mean, I frequently will have a mom or dad in with their daughter or son. And they'll say, yeah, this this one tooth in the bottom, it's, it's moved and my teeth are moving. And I'll fix them up in six to 10 weeks. I mean, and they're just mind blown by the fact, you mean you don't have to put me in braces for two years? And I'm like, no, I'll spend 10 weeks with you. And it's going to be significantly cheaper than you're expecting too, because I'm not spending as much time with you. So joined by Dr. Yeah. Joined by by Dr. Mason Bates with uh, Bates family orthodontics. You hear the phrase and we got about four minutes left here, Mason doctors that have good bedside manner. Is that even something that is discussed in, in, in medical school? Um, and you either have it or you don't, um, is there, is there myths to that? Because 
patients always talk about, well, this doctor is so caring, puts me at ease. Is that something doctors talk about? And how do you develop that, you think? I don't know that there's a, a specific course that we would take in our educational curriculum. And for that matter, practice ownership, whether it's private practice medicine or orthodontics, dentistry, you name it. A lot of this, we, we learn by doing it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, quite honestly, you know, sometimes we may change a policy within our office because it went bad with someone else. And, you know, we learned, well, we want to deviate how we're doing that to prevent that issue from happening again. And it, it's not too dissimilar with the bedside manner. I mean, I think some people are naturally better socially and I think some people manage stress better than others or multitask better, you know. There is some subjectivity to that, but I would say, you know, experience definitely lends itself, you know, to improving in that area. But I think there may tend to be also a natural gifting in that in that realm as well. But yeah, I don't know um, that I could say if we took we all took a course, you put a hundred of us in a course on bedside manner, that there'd be a hundred people that are winning the bedside manner award and you know in town. But um, practice makes perfect with all things and. I think if you love what you're doing, you're passionate about it. And for me, it's not a, it's not about me, right? It's how can I glorify God and what I'm doing and let the people that come to my practice, I want to be the best part of their day. That, that's my goal. I want to be the best part of your day. And I want to treat you like you have a sign around your neck that says, make me feel special. <laughs> and do I do that a hundred percent of the time? No, I don't think anyone's perfect, but that's my goal. And I think if that's your goal, as opposed to, well, I just see production and, you know, all the things that are businessy, well, you're going to probably not be as tenderhearted, I suppose. Well, uh, those that have used your practice for Mace, I know personal experience from us, uh, there, there is a jovial joy about coming into your office on our visits and uh, just thank you for your time here today and continued success and uh, more information on uh, Dr. Mason Bates and Bates Family Orthodontics. You can stop by and see him, 1925 Thompson Drive in Lynchburg. Give him a call, 434-846-4014. And all this information is on their website, batesfamilyortho.com. Mason, thank you for your time here today. Gigum, you're a former Aggie, so hope the football season um, continues uh, in, in an upward trend for you guys and uh, look forward to catching up soon, okay? Thanks so much for having me, Alan. This was awesome. Hope you and your family are well. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hill City Highlights Podcast. Have an idea for future shows? Email our team at hillcitypod at gmail.com and join us each week for another episode of the Hill City Highlights Podcast.